Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. All right, welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Out head Chris Clark along with you on this Friday morning. Wes Mitchell uh, doing some uh, family stuff today, so he'll be back in with us on Monday. Uh, Chris, I wish we had things to talk about today, but literally nothing happened in the world of Gamecock sports last night, unfortunately. Yeah, I, Tyler, I, I'm fine with this arrangement, actually, with things happening every day because, um, you know, gives us gives us content, gives us things to talk about. I also just realized that uh, my, my air guitaring and bass and drums that I do can is now be sh- seen. It's now seen. So I guess I probably need to be a little bit more careful. But that can be like your thing. Like, yeah, you have to embrace it's it. And I, I've like I've literally been eating this Pop-Tart during the commercial <laughs> breaks um, all morning long. So people on the live stream have been able to see me eating this cherry Pop-Tart. So nice. you just got to kind of embrace it. It's okay. Yeah, but that, that kind of makes me hungry, actually. Yeah, I, I unfortunately don't have another one. Nah, that's okay. You don't have to give me one. All good. But I, yeah. was, I was inspired by the Pop-Tarts Bowl last week. <laughs> I, figured, I figured that might have been. You said it was cherry? cherry? Cherry. Very good. Underrated flavor. Okay. Underrated. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. So lots going on in Gamecock country again. Lot, yes, again. Yes. Um, this, I'm trying to keep up when, when things happen. Yeah, that's I was I was on the air yesterday afternoon on the halftime show when we learned, as expected, Pup Howard was mm-hmm. going to indeed be going to Florida, which makes sense. He's a Jacksonville kid. You know, all the indications that he wanted to go uh, a little bit closer to home to play his college football. And uh, now we know for sure that he's going to be a Gator going forward. You know, when you said Pup Howard going to Florida, I was like – my first reaction was, I think I think Tyler got that wrong. It seems like that was four days ago, um, but it's actually not. Um, it was, yeah, was. So, 
expected, right? And and I saw a lot of the the fan reaction about this, and it was well, hey, he goes in the portal, and a day later he's going to Florida, and a lot of talk about tampering and, and things like that. And look, th- this is, I think Wes was the one that said the other day, you need to kind of, you got to recalibrate, you got to readjust. Did Pup Howard know when he entered the portal that he wanted to go to Florida? Yes, that that was the school that finished second in his recruitment. After he committed to South Carolina originally, they kept pushing. He's got friends there. We we told everybody in preparation, if you're reading, if you're a member of Gamecock Central, when Pup hit the portal, you weren't like, where'd that come from? Like, you knew. That's not a pitch. It just, you, you knew. Um, and you knew, like, the reasons, right, that it was, that it was, possibly going to happen and, and ultimately did happen and sure getting closer to home when i say that that doesn't necessarily like columbia is not that far from jacksonville as no, we know, right but getting four or five hour drive getting home as in florida the university of florida he knows a lot of people there from their past recruiting classes etc there's it's a florida guy so he knows a lot of them and so it wasn't surprising there have been kids in the past that have jumped in the transfer portal wanting to go to South Carolina, right? Like they get they get in the portal in mind with that as their target in mind. And so, you know, it, it goes all different ways. Mm-hmm. Like everything about the transfer portal, you can either take you can you have a chance to take advantage of, the transfer portal giveth, and you have a chance to get hurt by it, the transfer portal taketh. And we are actually seeing that at really every school. That's something we've talked about in the past, Tyler, like even, like, last year, you didn't see Georgia getting hit by the transfer portal. That was kind of their thing. We don't have guys really leave unless it's just to go play somewhere. This year, they actually had some guys where you went, huh, like, that's that's a guy that was actually playing some. And so, it's hitting everywhere. So, now you're seeing Alabama and Georgia, along with schools like South Carolina, you're seeing a wide variety of all the different types of transfers. The healthy transfer, where you go, okay, that guy wasn't really playing, he's going somewhere else. And then you see, oh, that doesn't really seem to make sense on the surface. It's easy when we get in the bubble of just looking at South Carolina to say, oh, you know, they, they lost that guy to, to the portal that didn't make sense. You're actually kind of seeing that everywhere now. It, it's really proliferated all of college football. And, and I love that sites like On3 now kind of have these transfer portal rankings and stuff and with that you can see the number of guys that went in the number of guys that went out for every single team around the country in you know a given cycle of the transfer portal and when you look roughly most schools are going to lose anywhere between 10 to 15 guys now you have some extreme cases with like A&M or season or two ago where like 20 guys went in the portal and that's a little bit much but you know then you look and say okay well they got 12 to 15 guys in and it's not always going to be an even number you're not going to be able to match and replace everything that you lost but again it is an ebb and flow and I know for South Carolina it kind of seems like in the month that the portal has been open went through a period of all right we lost guys everybody's freaking out okay we got some guys everybody's good all right we lost guys <laughs> again and now hey we got more guys coming in so we're feeling good again it's just this up and down roller coaster because the, th- the things don't seem to be as concurrent with each other as you would like them to be yeah I think when you're looking at the portal um, you know, obviously getting th- – there was a period where you didn't you, – you, you had not had the opportunity yet to benefit from the portal. You had the opportunity for guys to go ahead and, and leave, right? So there was that period here at, at, in Columbia where 
you had a lot of guys hitting the portal. And rather than contextualizing it, you kind of get caught up in, oh, man, 12 guys in the portal. Right. What's going on? You know, so it, it's really important to contextualize that number of why are guys leaving, who are you losing, and what does that mean? Now, certainly, look, you go up and down this list of guys that have left, there are some guys that played huge roles or had a chance to play a pretty big role. And, and of course, we're talking about you, know, you, you lose a starting kicker. You lose a really good starting wide receiver. Uh, you lose the guy who missed last season but presumably would have been your starting left tackle. Right. You know, in Jalen Nichols. And you use, lose a guy like Pup who, you know, played a pretty good amount and would have played more this year, especially with the loss of Stone Blanton. And, of course, you lose Stone Blanton, who was your starting Mike. So you have lost some impact players. You've also lost a lot of players that fall into that healthy transfers category. So the question becomes – how are you replacing them? Yep. And now, you know, again, you can lose guys in the portal, but you also have a chance to replace them, to backfill um, your roster. And so that part of the story is yet to be written. You know, when we look at Pup Howard and linebackers specifically, and, and let's, lo- let's lump Pump and, Pup and Stone Blanton together in terms of departures. They didn't depart for the same reasons, obviously, exactly. But they're they're both gone. It's a starter. It's a guy that, played as a freshman and had a chance to, to maybe start or, or play a bigger role this year, who are you going to replace him with? Well, we know South Carolina has a new commitment at linebacker. Yep. Also had another guy on campus yesterday and today um, that they're recruiting. You land both of those on paper. You've got your replacements. Now, let's see. You know, you got to see how it plays out on the field. Sure. But that that's a way, again, you, you, have, you have the losses, but you have an opportunity because of the portal to kind of rectify the situation. And one of those many ads that South Carolina had yesterday, and we'll get to all those over the course of the hour, was Demetrius Knight, the second linebacker from UNC Charlotte, who was an all-AAC guy, fifth in the conference and tackles the season with 96. Started his career at Georgia Tech, played a couple seasons there, wanted to go somewhere where he could get on the field a little bit more and, again, balled out for the 49ers this past season. So you bring in a guy with a lot of experience, has played a lot of football at the college level, and, um, again, kind of looking at it from a size standpoint, Six foot two, two hundred forty-seven pounds, right around the same size as the other guys that you have in the linebacker room, and um, you know, just based off the tape that you see, a guy that's very athletic can move all around the field and and make a lot of different plays. Yeah, this is a really, really intriguing player, I think, in Demetrius Knight, and former high school quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, went to Georgia Tech when when Paul Johnson was there, and he really, as you said, Tyler, he saw once he got to Charlotte, now. Uh, a, yes, a step back in competition, right? But he played the most he ever had and really, really played well. And so this is a guy that has, you know, power five type of ability. And whether you look at the stats, whether you look at some of the grades, I mean, he put up really, really strong performances this year. I'm looking over. His coverage grade for the season was a 90.9. That's <laughs> pretty good. He had, really um, good. I saw a highlight. He had pick six against Maryland when they played them earlier this season. And, again, you just kind of saw that speed and athleticism on display in in that play. Yeah, I mean, the the size stands out, but then you look at how athletic he is. And I was talking to somebody um, who was familiar with him from his time at Georgia Tech, and they told me, you know, has a knack for making the big play. And so that's something that certainly, you know, perks you up, I think, if you're a Gamecock fan. 
619 snaps uh, this past season. Is a guy that can tackle. He can give you some pass rush. He can cover. And so when you look at the size plus the athleticism and you've seen th- – this isn't a guy that just hasn't played. Like, yeah, there, there are going to be questions with just about any transfer. Even a guy that seems like a sure thing as a transfer, it's kind of like a coach. You know, sure. you take a guy who's a head coach. Ah, oh, this guy will work for sure. And and sometimes they don't. Scott Frost at Nebraska. Right. Seemed like the right. dream hire. Didn't work. And he had a track record. Yep. Right. So even a guy with a track record, you have to bring him in and, and see how he does. But this isn't a guy that you're just this kind of just like a concept or an idea that, hey, he's got size and athleticism. Let's see if he can play. He's put some of that on tape. And um, you know, given the defections, this this is a I think a, a quality get. And again, we don't know what South Carolina's scheme philosophy is necessarily going to be in 2024. Whether it's going to be sticking with the four two five or going more than three three five, like we saw them do at the end of the season. When you had the four two five, you had your two definitive starters with Debo Williams and Stone Blanton. Obviously, Debo coming back is one of the best tacklers in the SEC. But now there's this open space for at least one more starter in the middle of that defense. That you know, Ben Martin Scott's obviously going to have his opportunity. The freshman guys coming in going to have their chance to make some noise there. We'll see if Mo Kaba can be back at full strength. By by the time the season rolls around, but Demetrius Knight's going to be one of those guys that can factor into maybe being that second starter in the middle of your defense. And that's what I'm so intrigued by. Like, there's so many questions here. How how much of the from a percentage standpoint is South Carolina almost basing more out of a three three five next year, or is it just a wrinkle for them? It, it's here to stay in some form or fashion, right? But Bam Martin Scott, we we know Debo's a starter. Mm-hmm. Bam Martin Scott, man. In some form or fashion, hard to see him not being on the field a lot. What exactly does that look like? Is he the starting Will linebacker, or is he more of a starter if you're playing 3-3-5? We will see. Um, But to be able to get a guy like him and then add another from the portal, and I'm sure we'll talk about another portal linebacker option who's on campus right now here soon, Tyler, but you could get a couple proven guys with athleticism you could you could still be in pretty good shape there uh, for the 2024 season. Yeah, absolutely. And again, go ahead and, and give some insight on that linebacker uh, prospect that is on campuses because we got a lot of a lot of transfer guys to get to uh, over the course of this next hour. Yeah, we got a whole bunch of transfers to get to for sure. Lots of news. So it is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, running down everything that happened last evening in regards to South Carolina with the transfer portal as the morning rolls along here on the game, the 107.5 The Game app, and streaming live on the Game TV. Welcome back in. It is the... Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, Chris Clark along with you on this Friday reacting to everything that went on last night in the transfer portal in regards to South Carolina. I talked about this earlier in the 9 o'clock hour. It seemed like every time I refreshed my phone about 20 minutes, there was either a new welcome home or there was somebody officially confirming they were coming to South Carolina because we got several guys that came in in just one wave over the course of last night. So I can only imagine the work you guys were doing getting all this content out last night. It's been uh, it's been very busy. The phones have been busy, blowing up. How many text and phone calls do you think you have in, like, a week? Oh, boy. I don't know. It, it's it's probably not as many as you would think, actually. Like, I don't be like, oh, I get 7,000 texts. You know, it's not really like that. But Pro- um, Probably more than the average person. 
that's fair. That's fair. I do not like sometimes I'll get, um, you know, whether it's being on the computer or the phone, I use all the Mac stuff. So yeah, it shows yep. and they're all linked. Yep. So you can see the screen time. Yeah. And God. so when that and that popped, like I don't look at it. Sure, it's bad sure. for my. I'm like, nope, not gonna look at that. You it's way too high. Of, average of eight hours a day on your phone. It's like, well, most of that's phone calls. Yeah, phone calls, texts, staring at the computer, reading something on the phone. It's definitely a lot. But this is the like, everything used to lead up. We've talked about this before. It's like all the recruiting activity. You you were following high school and JUCO kids. Sure. Like when I first started doing this, and for years and years after, like you. I don't even remember tracking, like, a transfer, really. Like, well, yeah, was, some guys transferred in or transferred out. Like, you a, transfer, track transfers out a lot. Sure, it was it was a rare thing and yeah. something that I think we brought this up a while back. Like, the general public wouldn't really know about until, like, you heard the co- next coach press conference maybe yeah. a month later. Like, ah, we added these two guys from whatever schools they were from. And yeah. one's going to be a DN, one's going to be a cornerback or something like that. And that was pretty much it. But now you're talking about roster turnover every single year with the transfer report and when, and when guys left they were generally going down a level sure sometimes or, or to like junior college well because you had to sit out you had to sit out yeah unless you were a graduate but now it's you're tracking more guys out and you're certainly tracking more guys in and so instead of like everything building to february now you're following high school and junior college recruiting and portal portal recruiting some of it kind of at the same time concurrently. So well, that's why you guys make the big bucks, right? <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, one name that we talked about last, or I guess the beginning of this week, uh, coming on campus for a visit that uh, South Carolina was pretty high on was Amari Huggins Bruce, wide receiver from Louisville, local kid from Dillon, uh, 5 foot 11, 170 pounds, and uh, did end up committing to South Carolina last night, one of the many welcomes homes. And, and when you kind of look at where South Carolina is with the transfer portal and wide receivers. They obviously added Brown from Coastal Carolina. They had Jaden McGowan from Vanderbilt, and he obviously ended up flipping his commitment to Boston College. And And Bruce kind of satisfies that hole that he would have left behind as having another smaller guy that you can kind of use in the mm-hmm. slot, um, you know, in 2024. Yeah, he, he's a really an interesting player. And um, kind of looking at how he was used at Louisville, whether it was with Satterfield or with Brom, you know, I think you could see him being used in the same way at South Carolina because, um, you know, he, he's pretty good on deep balls, actually. He's a guy that you can put in the slot. He was good enough to run past some guys in the ACC um, at the Power 5 level. So he, he can run. He's got good hands. But he's also someone that you saw them get into space, right? Some short passes. We saw some jet sweep type stuff. Saw him be, you know, a, a reliable third down wide receiver. We actually just, if you go to Gamecock Central, we actually just linked up his highlight reel. Interesting timing. I don't know if anybody, the ACC Digital Network, I think this morning or late last night, put up a highlight reel for okay. him at Louisville. Specifically for him? Specifically for him. Wow. Just okay. Amari Huggins Bruce's 2023 highlights. That's interesting. Like, as he committed to South Carolina, I, I guess they were doing us a favor over there. Maybe somebody from the ACC Digital Network. <laughs> we is, know you're looking for it. Here it is. Th- yeah, they're, they're secretly a Gamecock fan, so they were searching for some some cheap clicks, and we gave it to them. So if you want to go check that out. Yeah, but again, not the biggest guy. 5'11", 170, a guy out of the 2021 class that South Carolina obviously knew about out of Dillon, interested in, didn't make a big push for, but now – He's been able to go to college, play for three seasons, and so he'll arrive at South Carolina with 
technically a season of eligibility and a red shirt, but we fully expect him to play and be a guy that can contribute for them at receiver. And you know, looking at him this past season, played all but nine, sla- nine snaps in that slot position. But I go back to last year, the majority of his snaps were lined up out wide. Now, again, from a size standpoint, that's not as favorable having a shorter guy on, on the outside when it comes to your offense, but it at least shows you can use him in a variety of ways. And, of course, we hope South Carolina goes out there and finds you know another sizable guy in the transfer portal to have that as a more of a sure guy to be able to line up out wide. But if you need to use Huggins and Bruce in different ways, you have the ability to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of wonder, does he get a look in some form or fashion on special teams? Uh, for Pete Limbo, maybe so. But, yeah, this is a guy, again, you can use him, I think, in a variety of ways because he can run some deep routes for you. He's pretty good in space. He he has a good, you know, I think, feel for the game. And he obviously has a lot of experience, you know, whether it's starting experience coming off the bench. He, he's a guy that's played a good many snaps. And and as a South Carolina kid who, you know, he, he was one. We were talking about Pup Power getting in the portal knowing he wanted to go to Florida. There's no doubt when Amari Huggins-Bruce – had designs on making a change, like, yeah, you got to make sure that South Carolina is a place that that wants you too. But this is a South Carolina kid, like he he wanted to come back here, and so he got that opportunity. Fortunately for both sides, and and it worked out. To to your point, Tyler, though, about adding some size, you know that that is something that is a priority. But South Carolina, at the same time, is in a position where. At, at, right now, it's just about it's just about adding and upgrading good players, you know. And so, you look at what they have on the board committed, right? And, and this is tr- portal only, not not high school guys. They've got Mazia Bennett, they got DeBron Gatling uh, committed in the class, and Mazia Bennett on campus already. But you look at Jared Brown, you know, not the biggest guy, a little bigger than Amari Huggins Bruce, and you'd say, God, they they need some length, yes, but they also just need good receivers right sure. so so gage larvadane from miami of ohio who's actually on campus right now another guy who's not the biggest guy but a productive receiver jabbery barber from troy same thing not the biggest guy productive receiver um, i think if you're kind of looking for a guy who's in the portal where there's some mutual interest cj daniels from liberty is a guy that makes sense he is a little bit longer he's maybe more of your like a little bit more prototypical, like X outside wide receiver. Um, so yeah, if, if there's a guy in the portal that makes sense like him, that is bigger, yes. But you're in a position if you're South Carolina to where you don't want to turn down guys who sure. are proven commodities and good players. Well, and I don't think that experience could be understated. And we were looking at this wide receiver room. You know, once we kind of found out that Juice Wells was leaving, obviously Xavier Leggett's not coming back, and you know, you had a guy like. Omega Blake that was going to the transfer portal, they didn't have any senior wide receivers on this roster, and that's uh, something that uh, Huggins Bryce fulfills. Again, he's played three seasons mm-hmm. at Louisville, doesn't have the COVID year because he came in in um, you know in 2021, Jared Brown uh, coming in as a junior from Coastal Carolina. So, um, again, from a size standpoint, maybe it's not exactly what you're looking at, but from experience, that can't be understated how important that's going to be to add to this room. That's a great point. Um, production and experience. And, like, Let's go to a different sport. How has South Carolina turned its fortunes around in basketball from one season to another? We talked about this a lot. Well, you bring in a bunch of transfers. Almost, I mean, yeah, you have some guys still on the roster that played a factor last year. Yes, Jacoby Wright. But you added several guys who had a lot of experience and a good bit of production at different positions. And so 
But for South Carolina, that's the that's the goal with the portal. Take some areas where maybe you've had too many misses in recruiting, like running back, and use the portal to your advantage and go see if you can get some experience and some production and some talent. And that's that's what they've done there. They've started doing that at receiver. The job's not done. Uh, that's another spot where they've had, you know, some portal misses and some high school misses. But they've got an opportunity now to where you can turn your fortunes around. So they're off to a pretty good start there. And, you know, if they can get some of these other guys on board, we'll see what the hall ends up being. But they've got a few options still left. You've also got the spring portal window. Mm-hmm. Yep. Always an opportunity for more guys to jump in. But if you can get, say, Brown, Huggins, Bruce, who you've already got, and let's say they add Larvidane to that, good bit of production, good bit of experience that you've now added to that room. One area of this team that people have been asking the question of when they were finally going to add somebody was on the offensive line. And last night that finally came to fruition. We will talk about that coming up. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game, the 107.5 The Game app, and streaming live on the game TV. Yesterday, this is a guy that, Yes, playing down a level, but he got on campus and just immediately, not just played, like started. He just got there, he's a starter. And so when you look at the size, he's got a lot of experience. He's played well at that level. And talking to some other people, it's interesting one thing that I've heard on him from everybody I've talked to is that he's got NFL potential. You know, and you look – it's funny if you go on Monday Night Football – you know, when they're doing the player intros. Yep. The offensive line seems to have some randomness, you know, just the, the schools these guys are from. Obviously, if you're the Gamecocks, if you recruited a class full every year of North Carolina Central level guys, that's the type of line you could, you would have. Sure. That would not be good sure. at the SEC level. But there are some guys that can play that slip through and get down to that level. South Carolina has obviously won some big recruiting battles for some highly touted type guys. But this is a guy that, again, the consensus is, hey, this is a pretty talented guy. And I feel like when it comes to the offensive line, as opposed to guys from like a a skill position standpoint, wide receiver, running back, quarterback, whatever it it may be, I feel like you can kind of look at the raw like fundamentals of what they do and get a little bit better gauge of what they're going to be able to do in terms of jumping up that level as opposed to just talking about like straight up speed or something like that the ability to catch the ball like some of these other skill positions have to deal with yeah I mean it's offensive line is really I think the toughest position to project Um, a lot of times you look at guys that are coming out of high school and you can get caught up in the size but how you know, how does it project? You know, athletically, how does a guy project? When he gets to the level where people are just as big or bigger than that guy, you know, is he tough? Does he have the offensive line mentality? Is he positionally versatile? Is he smart, you know, with everything that you're going to get thrown at you at the college level? Can he move? Can he bend? There are just so many things. And offensive line, I mean, it's, it's a tough position to have a really, really good hit rate. But if you can take a class of, you know, four or five guys every year, and you hit on a few of them every year, you got a chance to be pretty good up front. And so, you know, we know that South Carolina came into this portal cycle, you know, looking at the possibility of taking an interior center type and then looking for some help at offensive tackle, and that was kind of amplified. The need was heightened 
when Jalen Nichols hit the portal. So in, in Tory Selly Simpkins, you're checking the box for a guy that can help you at center. Well, and a guy that I believe he has one year of eligibility they'd be coming here and using. And, you know, when you talk about, obviously, Josiah Thompson, Camp Pringle, two highly sought-after guys that are going to be coming in in this cycle, you know, if hey, if they end up being the best offensive lineman, they're going to be out there playing. But it's a situation where, again, and you have a lot of bodies in the offensive line ring. We just had so many injuries last year. If you can have a guy like this can kind of bridge that gap between maybe one of these guys being your starter in 2025, that might be more of an ideal scenario than, again, what he had to do with uh, Babalati and Ball this year and just kind of throw him to the Wolves as true freshman. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and those guys will be those guys will be better for it, right? But uh, you'd wouldn't want to get the good news this year is you've lost Nichols, and if you plug in Tree Babalade and play him as your starting left tackle, better option this year than it was last year. Got a full year of experience under his belt. Yeah, he's got plenty of experience now. He's he's only going to get better, but just increasing the competition, giving yourself more options, and you don't want to be when you look at several positions. It's the positions that we've seen the most activity with in the portal. You don't want to be in the position at running back that you were in 2023 with not enough depth and, frankly, not enough playmaking. Same thing at wide receiver. You know, when when Xavier Leggett wasn't on the field last year, and, yeah, you didn't have juice on the field either for vast majority of the season, South Carolina, frankly, they struggled at receiver. And so you got to, you know, You've seen that determination this year to go and and fix that. Yeah, you got two good high school receivers, but also through the portal and finding some guys that have that proven experience. And the same kind of deal on the offensive line. Um, There were several things that factored in on the O-line last year, and we could point to all of them, and you could be accurate. You can't just say it's one thing on the O-line. There was, I think, a, a big combination of things. And certainly it would help in 2024, no matter the personnel, if you didn't have nine, eight, nine, ten injuries, too. That's a part of it in any position. But to add more experience, to add more depth there, to give yourself uh, kind of an array of options, now you can kind of picture this. And they're, I don't, they're not done on the offensive line. They've got some other targets out there who are visiting, have visited this week, visiting right now, maybe you'll visit later. And if you could land a tackle or two to go along with Simpkins, now you could start to piece this together and you can actually visualize if they can stay healthy, you know, being better there and maybe having more depth there as well. Absolutely. And again, uh, kind of looking at his numbers on pro football focus, a very high pass blocking grade, which was something that was obviously an issue for South Carolina for a lot this past season. So he does bring that uh, skill set in there and the size, something that you obviously can't teach you either have it or you don't. Six foot five, three hundred and ten pounds. You look around the rest of South Carolina's starting offensive line, pretty comparable to what they were rolling out this past season. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty comparable. Um, you know, some other guys to watch for here. Pearson Toomey from Furman. So South Carolina got an in person look at him this year, obviously uh-huh. playing yep. for the Paladins. A guy who could play tackle, not the tallest guy. I think he's listed at six three, uh, but he's somebody who who could play tackle for you. Visited Florida State this week, then got on campus at South Carolina. Ruben Unije. Um, who spent some time, who was at Houston, spent, uh, originally signed with Illinois um, from IMG Academy is where he played his high school ball down in Florida, signed with Illinois, spent some time at JUCO, and then at Houston. Um, he's a guy that was on campus this week as well. So, And then Percy Lewis, the massive Mississippi State tackle, someone we're still kind of keeping an eye on in terms of a visit. So 
a few candidates still out there on the offensive line as well. As well as some other candidates elsewhere on the team that are visiting campus either today or having some ca- uh, visits coming up as well. We'll talk about some of those and, and put a bow on what was a crazy 24 hours in the transfer portal for South Carolina. And I know keeping up with all this has to make you really, really hungry. It does make me hungry. And, you know, Tyler, I did have firehouse subs yesterday. I'm not opposed got to the buy one, two get days one. in a row. Yep, buy one, get one. I think that runs through today, so you can go check it out. All the different locations, 14 around the Midlands, go check it out around the state. Firehousesubs.com or the Firehouse Subs app. You can use the Rapid Rescue. It'll be waiting on you when you get in there. And if you go to Firehouse Subs on X, on Twitter, go to at Firehouse Subs, you can get yourself a coupon there for a free medium sub with the purchase of an additional medium or large sub that does run through today at participating U.S. Firehouse Subs restaurants. We will wrap up the conversation of the transfer portal coming up. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game, the 107.5 The Game app and streaming live on The Game TV. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, Chris Clark along with you for a few more minutes before the halftime show with myself and the returning Terry Ford. Oh, he's up. back. Yes, he's he's finally back. Been feeling under the weather, but as far as I know, he'll be back in the studios here in just a couple of minutes. So excited for that. Um, obviously, this entire show, we've been talking about Transfer Portal, all these guys that have been coming in. You mentioned several of the guys as far as offensive line goes that are either already going to visit or set to come visit here very, very soon. And it's not just the offensive line. have a litany of other guys that are set to make visits as well. And I always think, and I'm sure you guys from a content perspective, always wonder what kind of names really grab headlines if you say they're coming to visit South Carolina. And, yes, you know, you have guys that are from other Power 5 programs. They have guys from FCS programs. People are always going to ask, well, can they come in and can they play at this level? If you put a headline out there that says a four-star defensive lineman from Alabama is coming to visit, that's going to raise some uh, some eyebrows for sure. It does. I mean, it, it's kind of like high school recruiting, right? The the headlines and interest generated in somebody who is a potential transfer from Alabama is going to get more interest than, say, Torres Ellie Simpkins III from, from North Carolina Central, right? Sure. And, and that really doesn't matter. I mean – we could make up a guy, say he's from Alabama, and if he's never even seen the field, like like he's just he's from Alabama, right? Everybody say well, he's he's good. He's gonna be good. He's, he's gonna, gonna be, be good. good. Now the good news is, um, when it comes to Monkel Goodwine from Alabama, I mean here's a guy who has he played a giant role at Alabama so far in his career? No, but as we know, Alabama's pretty good and they recruit extremely well. They're typically in the top five, if not higher. Number one, number two in recruiting every year. And so this is a guy that's played three seasons at Alabama. He's really been more of a depth piece. But there's talent here. There's potential here. You know, you look at the size, 6'4", 290. Alabama plays multiple defensive fronts. And so you would think you you kind of start visualizing and and thinking forward that the three-man fronts, the four-man fronts for South Carolina, probably somebody that maybe he could play inside or outside. We'll see. He's he's a Maryland kid, so he's from the DMV region originally. There's that area again. And he's a former top 70 guy, so, you know, a big-time prospect as well. So got wind of that one this morning. I, honestly, Tyler, don't know which other schools are in the mix. He was one of a bunch of Alabama players that officially hit the portal back on Wednesday. Yep. 
Um, and so he's got some time. Maybe some others get involved. I, I would think, you know, wouldn't be a shocker to see Maryland involved, for instance, and maybe some others. But South Carolina is scheduled to get him in this weekend, and, and that'll be an interesting uh, be interesting to see what happens there. I want to a few more notes here on the transfer portal. Again, it's just been a busy uh, <laughs> last 24 hours with everything, so hard to keep up with all of it. They did also add a walk-on in Buddy Mack, defensive back for Pitt, three-star kid out of uh, Burns, so a local guy that um, primarily played on special teams up there in Pitt. Got a few defensive snaps, but nothing really to write home about. And when you talk about a guy coming in as a walk-on that has played at the Power 5 level, I kind of viewed this in the same regard as like the D'Angelo Gibbs thing this past year where it's very much um, low-risk, high-reward that, hey, if he comes yeah. in and pops and you know d- contributes, that's great. If he doesn't, he's not taking up a scholarship, and if anything, just adds depth to your room. So, um, you know, not saying we're going to expect anything out of him, but if he pops, then that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, tr- he has experience on special teams. We know South Carolina with Pete Limbo, they're going to be auditioning some guys for special teams. It, it, you get the sense that they weren't, and even some things Limbo publicly said, weren't quite stable in a few different areas on some of their uh, special teams units last year. I think a lot of that had to do with some of the guys that departed between the 22 and 23 seasons. And so um, I think a lot of guys will be getting looks starting in spring ball and then, of course, into summer and preseason. And so when you look at Buddy Mack, you know, a guy who played at Burns, former uh, former All-State guy, former Shrine Bowler, who uh, got some Power 5 offers out of high school, ended up going to Pitt, and is now enrolled at USC. So like you said, lo- low risk, high reward. Um, maybe he's a guy that can step in and earn a scholarship with his play as a reserve DB and on special teams. But – you know, just an example of a, a resource we'll get. And last one here, uh, this was before Christmas when we initially had thought Brady Hunt, the tight end from Ball State, was coming to South Carolina. He has flipped his commitment to Texas A&M following his former tight ends coach um, from Ball State over to Mike Elko's staff out there in uh, College Station. So down one body, at least in tight end, from the uh, transfer portal now. Yeah, and this one hasn't been officially uh, confirmed by Brady Hunt. If you go to you know his social media, for instance, still says he's <laughs> going to South Carolina. But this is what we've heard has happened behind the scenes. He's he's basically decommitted from South Carolina, expressed his intent to go to A and M. I think there's still, I don't know, maybe there's a report that came out from On Three saying that he was still jumping through some SEC hurdles. I assume maybe some paperwork, financial okay. aid, something like that. But, our, again, this is our full expectation is that that's what's happening. Don't expect him to be in the class unless something crazy happens. I feel 100% about the info that he has decommitted and expressed behind the scenes that he's going to go to A&M. Again, an unfortunate situation because this is a guy, I mean, I think he's a really good player. I think he was going to help a lot as a tight end who could block, who could catch balls, who could play for you on special teams. But there was just, unfortunately for South Carolina, that that tie, right, with his his former coach who recruited him to Ball State, yep. who coached him for one year, and there's also even a family tie there. And so that just, you know, there's just a coaching move that it, it didn't it, fall your way. And the, the portal's funny. Obviously, you have yeah. him, you have McGowan from Vanderbilt to flip to BC. A.J. Swan was seemingly committed to South Carolina before flipping to LSU. With, with the portals, one of those things, like, you're not – you cannot be 100% certain until these guys are legitimately on campus yeah, and taking classes. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of similar, you know, financial aid agreements that guys sign, e- even in high school, right? Like, right. if you've got a guy in high school who signed a financial aid agreement, you got to get him on campus right. first. And so, um, 
that's kind of, that's kind of the key. So again, we'll we'll see some of this. I mean, you might see we we've seen portal mm-hmm. decommitments, not not just this one with Brady Hunt. I mean, Matthew Bedford, a big time tackle who's transferring from Indiana. He flipped from Colorado to Oregon out yep, of the portal. That, so that's true. We'll see more of this. Well, it's been a whirlwind with everything in the portal, so we got you up to speed on what's happening as of 11.55 on Friday morning, and we'll see what takes place over the course of the weekend. Halftime show coming up next with myself and Terry Ford. This has been the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. He's Chris Clark. I'm Tyler Head. Captain Dave produced for us on the other side of the glass here on the game. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 43342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.